0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. To everybody joining online, uh, we can not see you, but you can see us. Um, my name is Mandy Wiener. I am a journalist. I'm an author. Um, I wrote a book called The Whistleblowers a couple of years ago. Um, and it's my great pleasure to, to host this roundtable today. With um, I just want to pay tribute to PLUS, uh to Gibbs, Business School for hosting us today, uh, and also to the Frederick Nauman Foundation as well. Um, And then thank you to the panelists today. Uh, So, just by way of introduction, Mosilo Matepo to my left, Klolo Pakwe, and Mtabisi Moyo on the far left. Um, And I think the best way to start off today would probably be a little bit of an introduction from each of you, I am um, not going to tell your stories, I would rather you did. So if I could maybe just give you five minutes um, to tell us how you came to be sitting on a panel about whistleblowers. Musilo, well, do you think you can do five minutes? Five minutes. Okay, let's check that this is on.
1: I'll try and do five minutes, yes. Uh, my name is Musilo Mutepo. I have no business being here. I'm an infrastructure financier. Yes. <laughs> I normally go to um, conferences about debt capital markets. I um, used to work for a company called Trillium uh, Asset Management. I was one of um, the CEOs and Regiment's Capital, who um, I saw were an, an extension of the Gupta's empire. So I witnessed the, um, the looting of state resources, ESCOM, Transnet, SAA. But trillion and regiments, there were. Um, contracts were not legally bound. Um, there was often no value add to the client, and it was unfortunate that it was the board of these companies and the executives and trillion in collusion um, in looting billions of brands, and most of that money went towards a shareholder called a Esa, and he had um, some companies uh, that were Gupta owned, and they ended up in Hong Kong and um, Dubai. Now I decided to go to the public protector to make this disclosure. Um, I'm known as a negative whistleblower as well because I was told that the, the finance minister was going to be fired because he's not signing nuclear deals and SAA bus. The journey was very difficult. Um, I was charged criminally by the NPA because of my disorder. I don't should to intimidate myself. Club uh, heard about my story uh, from the and Guardian and they have been supporting me. Uh, I had a, a, a million three hundred thousand grand legal bill. Club um, negotiated down to seven hundred thousand and they have been my uh, assistants uh, since then. This is now 2017. There was an instance where I defeated Lynn Brown and she was found to have misled parliament because of my disclosure and they temporarily uh, took me to Paris so that I could have some safe refuge. So I'm here because class is a savior to my life many people who have said no to corruption in South
0: Africa. Thank you. Thank you, Mo um, your father was Mos Pakwe. Uh, you're from Rustenburg. Um, you yourself are not a whistleblower, but your father was a whistleblower. Tell us uh, his story and how you come to be here today.
2: OK, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is Tolo Pakwe uh, from Northwest Rustenburg. Uh, I'm the son of uh, the late whistleblower, Mos uh, 14 years back, uh, in the 14th of March 2009, uh, my father was uh, brutally murdered and assassinated, execution style, in our home driveway. Uh, after blowing a whistle of corruption in the Haslenberg local municipality. Uh, It was later found that the perpetrators of that evil act was uh, masterminded by the mayor of the municipality itself and his bodyguard. And it was later uh, found out and uh, this was as a result of my father blowing the whistle for of uh, tenders, friends and family, often the mayor myself, and the outsourcing of us with the glue of the and stealing of land, uh, stealing of municipal vehicles, which my father compiled a dossier uh, in that regard. Uh, it was a big and lengthy document with all the details and proof detailing how uh, the officials of the municipality uh, were doing all, all those things. Um, forward, uh, the mayor and his body that were finally uh, arrested, the convicted and they were sentenced uh, life imprisonment for the bodyguard, 20 years imprisonment to the mayor, and this judgment uh, was presided over by a terrible judge, uh, Judge Ronnie Hendricks, and but it was later overturned because of the power and uh, influence. From the uh, political friends of the mayor, whereby they were now acquitted uh, based on the business, you know, uh, reasons, and to us as the as a result of that judgment because now uh, it, it indicates that nobody is accountable. To most of us death, even today. So, uh, to this day, uh, people are roaming the streets, people are free. Uh, our father is very supported by his own complaints. Uh, and indeed, uh, life has been very difficult for my family because our father, as a breadwinner, as the head of the family, we have to now take. And uh, our responsibility and soldier all. And these are the kind of platforms whereby, uh, you know, uh, it gives us a chance and opportunity to express ourselves. And even when times, sometimes, you know, emotions are running high, uh, but we appreciate uh, the bluff and other organizations and other whistleblowers, which are no no, no more which are not here, and uh, we extend our gratitude to all of, all of them for doing uh, wonderful work and for being patriotic to this country because we need such great people like my father and uh, others. So, in short, I'm honored and grateful to be part of this uh, event of this magnitude.
3: Thank you so much, Taro. Muntabisi? Uh, uh, thank you so much, uh, Wendy, and good morning to everyone. My name is Muntabisi Moyo, and uh, my story pertains to my tenure at the Caltech Enterprise Propeller, which uh, is a provincial agency of the Department of Economic Development within Caltech. I worked there uh, between 2009 to 2017. And uh, my journey starts between 2016 to 2017, when I became involved in Union Letters. I became uh, elected as a union job steward in 2016, October. And uh, during my time as the union Secretary General uh, we got uh, to be exposed to the intrinsic maladministration, which was ongoing within the agency. Maladministration matters pertaining mostly to the abuse of recruitment policies. What had happened was the agency had uh, an acting CEO and an acting CFO both were deployed at the same time by the then MSE. And when the two officials uh, started their tenure at the agency, uh, their positions were advertised. Uh, Everyone was uh, invited for, it was an open advertisement. But what was... uh, of concern was that the position of CEO requirements had uh, been lowered from a master's degree as a minimum qualification to a diploma qualification for position of CEO. For position of CFO, which is a statutory uh, position within a public entity, the position was changed from The position title was changed from CFO to Manager Finance. Why this was done was because the designated appointee who was acting at the time did not have the requisite CFO uh, qualifications. So, to circumvent the PFMA, the title was changed to the mm-hmm. So, I was in the forefront of calling out. Uh, Flouting of the recruitment policies and good practices within the recruitment space. And furthermore, besides the maladministration, one was in the forefront of calling out the corruption that was happening within the agency. The county enterprise propeller is responsible for dispersing uh, financial support to small and medium enterprises. Beyond the financial support is the non financial support related to training interventions, marketing support that any small, medium enterprise might need. But the corruption was mainly within the uh, disbursement of uh, the loans to the SMEs. What would happen was that the loans would be dispersed to closely connected individuals who were not uh, meeting the requirements to get a loan. And to make letters worse, instead of each being given out as a loan which will be paid back, the corruption went further to be disguised as grants being given, grants which were not supposed to be then paid back. And all of these were being channeled to closely connected uh, individuals, and they were closely connected to people within the political space, and also closely connected to the CEO as well. So through my position as the Prime Secretary General, I was in the forefront of calling all of this corruption. And what we did firstly, it was more of a sequence uh, reporting that we did. They started internally with the court, thinking the court would hold the C4 and for CFO accountable. But they didn't. Uh, they just ignored all of the disclosures made, despite huge documents being sent with all the evidence. They then escalated the disclosures to the portfolio committee of the Houten Provincial Legislature. And the portfolio committee at the time, that was uh, in May, when the disclosures were escalated to them.: The portfolio committee took time to respond to our issues, but they eventually instituted a forensic investigation, and that was probably in August, having reported in May. But between January 2017, when we first disclosed to the board to May 2017, five months, I then started experiencing personal uh, uh from the employer. In January, uh, I, was, I woke up to being told that I had been transferred from my department. To report to another unit, which was a strategic demotion, because it has not only changed in reporting lines, but also in the scope of treaties. Well. I took the matter to the CCMA, uh, citing unfair paper practices. Um, in May, when we escalated the matter to the portfolio committee, uh, that coincided with my matter, the transfer matter being headed to the CCMA. And when it happened, the employer conciliation level withdrew the transfer. But at the same time, I got suspended and pertaining to a serious investigation thing done myself. No charges were made for the time. So that was a and then um It was an unfair suspension as well, because our shop steward practices that are supposed to be suspending a shop steward, but it was just an immediate suspension. And then uh, what happened as well, parallel to everything on COVID, because it was union driven, we got all of our members to protest on the ongoing corruption the ongoing protests, while they were protected through the neighboring states, as uh, related to ongoing western negotiations, there were more to say, were exposing corruption. But long and short of it, uh, i got to the same charges, which were spinless on the principle of fraud, of dishonesty, of so many scary issues related to. An invoice <laughs> the CFO had helped me prepare, but it was always set up because he turned around to say I did not follow the company processes in preparing the invoice, but it was paid to the organization. But it was just the manner in how it was prepared. I was just set up to
0: so it's so interesting because all, all three of these stories are illustrations of what happens to whistleblowers in South Africa, and invariably whistleblowers become victimized. They are seen as, par- as pariahs, as impimpies, as problem uh, makers, as troublemakers, as problematic. Um, and often you are dragged through the courts, you are criminalized, you run up massive uh, legal fees. Uh, in your case, worst case scenario, uh, whistleblowers are killed. Uh, in order to prevent the, the speaking out um, and, the, and the exposure of corruption. You're targeted and fairly dismissed. Um, what is the lived experience of a whistleblower? Because the trauma that you've been through over the past few years in South Africa really does give us an, an indication of what it is. Want me to hold your hand while you do this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you know it's, I have to say that I was quite surprised by how people reacted to me when I went to the public protector in my mind, I thought the report of capture would come out six months later the bad guys would be arrested and life would continue I will find another job, and these guys will be charged and arrested. And I'll be celebrated for my integrity. No, um, during that time, South Africa was in a crisis. Um, men and women who were seen to stand against corruption were targeted by. The horse. I had nine criminal charges. Fraud, conspiracy, perjury, theft, cybercrime. The constable said, because of who these people are politically, and the political environment, he has to um, uh, accelerate my case. So, I have to come in for a warning statement. Trillion late charges in October and so already November, a month later. So, we're ready for a warning statement. Um, I was, I, I tried to go to South African NGOs. I was told my letter was not of national importance. And that's where path came in. Um, I was constantly in the media, which was a good thing because if it wasn't for the front page of um, of the times, of, of, of time, Times, they would not have known, even though it was a leak, they would not have known Trillion and Regiments' role in state capture. But also, um, if it wasn't for um, how to Leader of Global Thrive, which was an article written by Jessica in the Mailand Guidelines. And plus, saw that article and they rescued me. So South Africa actually turned my back, back on me. Um, I was well-employed for two, two years um, because I was deemed a political risk. My morality and ethics were. Questions because I've worked for regiments and trillion, and people will say half of our revenue comes from government. And if they hear that you joined the team, they'll take away that business. So I almost went bankrupt. I almost had to sell my house. Um, emotionally, taxing. We lose friends. We lose assets. Um, you have, I mean, I have a psychiatrist because there's depression, there's post traumatic stress disorder, there's anxiety, there's insomnia, is drinking a little bit too much wine just to numb the pain. So it's it's a devastating, lonely road. But they are pockets of kindness that I've experienced. And that has come from strangers. I was. Um, Employed by MTN for two years, after the um, G- CEO at the time, Rob Schutter, uh, said um, he read an article by Sigonati Manjanta, who was then the deputy uh, financial mail um, editor, essentially saying after the NPA said there was no winnable case against me, he wrote an article saying the silo took bullet for South Africa. We are paying the back, but background See, she has to sell her house. So Ron reached out, and I was there for two years. During that time, many things happened. Let's just say, um, I I was there for two years. After that, I decided to take a year off during COVID and write my book and capture. I have copies. I have please buy some. I use my royalties to um, support other whistleblowers. They've lost houses. Um, I, I, I've had miracles no happen to me. Let's just say I don't have debt. I, I look like a pensioner. Where the interest rates go up, I'm happy because there's a wonderful bank that made me sign an NDA gave me my title as a contribution to my country. Yeah, so unfortunately it's an NDA, so I can't mention their names. Mm, I am now working, um, uh, I am a special advisor to a minister, Um, but I I am grateful that that my journey at least there is hope that there are people out there who can help you. Institutions who can also assist. On Another front. Um, earlier this year, the first I, my first affidavit that I signed um, was in October 2018. It was essentially trillion asset management invoicing translate 93 million rand for no work done under the guise of the raised 12 million rand tabloids. I worked on that meta and regiments, and regiments had already been paid for that. That 94 million went towards a trusted at It ended up in Together's bank account to buy Optimum. So using trans-net cash flow versus the booters. Now, you guys have been seeing the news. They stand accused. Eric Wood, my former boss, CEO of Trillium, arrested. Two hundred fifty thousand rand bail. Anur Singh, arrested. Fifty thousand rand bail. Olympic, arrested. Fifty thousand rand bail. (laughs) arrested. Fifty thousand rand bail. That was my first affidavit. And I'm very happy to see that they're here in the halls, even though the wheels of justice are slow. But we are steering this ship into uh, it's, it's like the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, like, okay. it's like a cruise <laughs> That needs to turn that direction. It's large, but it will do it slowly. And I'm happy to see, even um, with the Intel International, Marcello Coco and his. Um, family have also been arrested. So I'm, I'm very happy to see that um, you know, under the, the leadership of uh, Shambila Pitoy, she changed the team so that the MPA was no longer weaponized against us, and that doing not work, and we wait patiently for. For justice to take its course. Thank
0: you, Mandy. And that just goes to show the value of the contribution of whistleblowers. The fact that we are now seeing prosecutions and we are seeing the facilitators of state capture in the dock because of the bravery and courage of people that blew the whistle on state capture. And yet you are still not rewarded, you're not appreciated, you're not celebrated. There are clear gaps in protection for whistleblowers in South Africa. We've seen that through the murder of Babita Diokaran just a year ago, and we've seen it through the murder of Mos Parkway. How do you believe your father could have been better protected? What could, could have happened in, in a perfect reality when your father wanted to blow the whistle on corruption?
2: Thank you, Mindy. Uh, no, let me just back from uh, the time that uh, my father, Louis Wiesel, uh, raised an alarm from all the structures of the ANC. Uh, Usually in the ANC, they say, comrades should not go to the police or to the courts. They should instead uh, debate matters internally uh, within the organization. Uh, uh, so in this case, my father uh, took the matters, or uh, took that dossier to the regional structure of the ANC, the provincial structure of the ANC, up to the national structure, of the ANC. And he was victimized, he was ambushed for his things. And in all that, he uh, actually fell on deaf ears. Because uh, remember, uh, these are mafias and, 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 and it's a big chain of leadership from the national up to the bottom. So in my father's case, that dossier that he compiled with other comrades, uh, he took it even to uh, the number one president of the country, the former president Jacob Zuma, where he was invited to his home in Gandhi. Uh, Drove all the way to KwaZulu Natal in Gaza to you know to 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 tell uh, and and disclose information that was contained in that dossier, and unfortunately, uh, as a result, at one point, uh, my father's security was exposed because. Uh, it was then decided after they came back from gandla zuma told Mantasha that the meeting uh, urgently called for mos to be given platform uh, to actually speak about the dossier this happened in presence of the people that were accused or people that were implicated in the dossier so you can even see how mos was exposed because he was saying all those uh, 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 contents of the dossier in front of everyone that was implicated in that dossier, including the premier, uh, the former premier, Supra Mahumabelu, who is then Ali <laughs> to, to the mayor of So uh, it was then, uh, 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 Moss was then afforded an opportunity uh, to talk about the dossier and present it in front of his own enemies, in front of people implicated in the dossier, uh, Mosbaco was never given security or bodyguards, uh, even though ANC knew that he was exposed to the risk of being victimized and being killed, and nothing was done in that regard. So my father was exposed to a point whereby, on the fateful day of the 14th March, 2009, uh, he came in in our home driveway. The mayor's bodyguard was waiting for him inside our yard. And he was shot through the window of the car while his car was still idling. And to 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 show that this was not a robbery or any kind, uh, his belongings, the money, the food that he was he went to buy that night was still in the car. Uh, this was a clearly direct execution as a result of you know exposing corruption at the highest level, and indeed. Uh, Afterwards, you know, people were arrested and everything was done to protect those who were implicated. The first uh, investigating team to this case uh, was actually influenced and they were bought. Some of the police were bought and the case didn't go anywhere until the third investigating team was uh, formed, which included people from not only Northwest, but all over the country, different uh, 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 police office, officers from different provinces. That's when the case was cracked. By eventually, we show that this was actually having influence from politicians. Then the case was cracked, and the breakthrough And this was a relief to us as the family because it was a nightmare for us not knowing what really happened to this. And finally, people were now arrested, including the mayor and his bodyguard and two others which were in business. And they were convicted. They were sentenced. We were victimized as children. Uh, I remember at one point, our father's property was... (laughs) The bank wanted to repossess, wanted to evict us from the home, from our home, because our father died owing the bank. And at least, uh, you know, monies were raised and we survived, and the bank was paid, and at least our home was saved. But not only the assistance or financial assistance was not from the ANC that my father died for, it was from an Opposition. opposition. So you can clearly see that hey, these factions in the ANC, it's just out of hand. Uh, this is to show that it's an uncaring ANC that my father died for, that he loved so dearly, and was committed to the principles of Ubuntu, and making sure that people have a better life. And,
0: I think what this really shows is the the necessity for financial security, for physical security, for psychological uh, security as well. That that's what whistleblowers really need. If you look at the legislation, um, we've got the Protected Disclosure Act. When it came out, it was described as progressive. It's now seen as somewhat of a dinosaur. Ms. Um, you made protected disclosures whistleblowers say the PDA is not worth the paper that it's written on. I mean, I've heard you say that before. You, you always say the PDA is not worth the paper it's written on. It's very much a, a Labour law type, uh, type of, of legislation. We do know that out of the Zondo Commission we're now seeing new legislation being crafted. Ronald Lamola, the Justice Minister, told me this would be out by April, the first draft, next year. What is your experience of the PDA? Um.
3: Uh, I've always said uh, when I'm telling my story, when we first whistled through myself as a union rep, I didn't know anything about being protected with this murder's hat. It came after uh, the retaliation experience to say, but what is there, what legislation is there to protect me besides the labor relations hat? Because I couldn't find it that's when I became immersed with the protected disclosure state, but it was only after the details. And uh, which only exposes probably the lack of awareness, the tokenization of about this uh, protection which the flow has offered. But then, in my case, when I tried to activate the, the, the PDA disclosures, uh, I took my case to the public protector. I think it was two days after my suspension when I first wrote to the public protector in 2017, uh, telling her what had happened and the retaliation one had suffered. The public protector then, uh, having received the report in May, uh, she wrote back, I think, uh, many months later. It was quick, but many months later, still 2017. But she wrote to say, despite all the uh, disclosures made, she could not find evidence to support uh, what we had uh, reported. And uh, it took a long time for me to gather the evidence. And by the time I had gathered the evidence, I was already out of the system. Evidence. And then I wrote again later, posted this visa to the public protector, now with the evidence, to say, here's the evidence that she said And the public protector, in her report, uh, which she released two months back in September 2022, oh. now, years later, she says uh, the report was not done in good faith. She will not uh, investigate the internet. <laughs> but are, purely because it was not done in good faith. It was done after I had been suspended. So there was uh, kind of like just reporting, which I was because the disclosures had been made following the process, the internal process and the external process. To her, it was just to say, can you, re- can you please investigate mm-hmm. the retaliation,
2: yep. which
3: the PDA should protect me against. And then the second uh, reason for her not investigating the retaliation was, but this is a labor relations act matter, mm-hmm. not a PDA matter. It's now confusing more than anything
0: which just shows the, the flaws in the PDA, and the fact that it, it, it's not effective.
3: It shows the flaws, but I, I've said to some extent, maybe it's not that the PDA is not effective. The people who are supposed to be implementing the PDA. I have no clue, especially the investigators at the Public Protector's Office. I was saying they need probably more training. Mm-hmm people that the institution is supposed to be protecting this law uh, more training to apply the law. Maybe it's not
0: a- so you don't think it's the law that's the problem? You think it's, it's the, the application of the law?
3: There's definitely room for both. Yeah. There's room for strengthening the laws. But there's also more room for implementing correctly what the current laws are affording as protection. That's no touch.
0: Yeah. So we are seeing the Justice Department looking at new legislation. They are going around the world looking at best practice. Uh, one of the recommendations from Zondo is potentially financial remuneration uh, for whistleblowers. Um, if you look at something like the False Claims Act in the U.S., where you get between 10 and 30 percent of a successful whistleblowing claim, you would have got 69.5 million rand, Mosilo. That's not bad for, for blowing the whistle. What do you think about this idea of financial remuneration? It does come with problems. There are bounty hunters. Um, do you think this is viable?
1: Yes, I definitely think it's viable. It's one of the recommendations I made um, on my, my, my last chapter of my book and also at the Zondo Commission, and I'm happy to say that he, he included the remuneration of um, in his recommendations and the, and the President when he reported on the action, he did say that um, they will look at my, my difficulty is an average case in South Africa just, just look at this one it's 93.4 million it's going to take around 15 years
0: hmm. <laughs> the, the criminal trial yeah. uh, that's that's. What well, if you look at, at you know previous experience, yes. that, that's yes. not a far-fetched idea. Absolutely, because if there are pre-deals and if there are, deals, there, yes. you know, there are so other let's options.
1: So I have to
0: wait five years. So I have to wait five years for. Are you saying five years for a successful outcome? Yes, and, and then to, to get compensated. Yes. So you you believe that whistleblowers should get compensated before there is a, a, a conviction?
1: Yes. We we lose our livelihood. And it's, it's not about when we all do the work. We never ever thought our livelihood. I mean, all of us are very very um, accomplished, educated. That's why we were able to see the corruption because we were at executive level. And you have your livelihood destroyed forever. Mm. So there should be some kind of an act um, of fund even before the, the successful um, conversion yeah. of, I mean, you know, athletes go and win gold and um, they get remunerated. I remember Ethel Williams, he said, if only um, whistleblowers were celebrated and rewarded like athletes in South Africa. Yeah. So I, I, I really think, you know, people can be spectators and say, no, it's bounty hunting, Um Why should we um, reward somebody for doing what the Constitution has said that you have to put pride Mm. or crack up? But you haven't lived the experience. So, for anybody who is outside and saying, no, you you are patriotic, that's why you did it, so why should you be remunerated? Really doesn't understand the the lived experience of of blowing the whistle.
0: Thank you. So let's talk hypothetically if there was a whistleblowing house like a chapter nine institution funded by government independent where a whistleblower could go to get uh legal support to get financial support uh, psychological support security how would that have helped your father would that have been something he would have considered So so if there was an independent organisation, a Chapter 9 organisation, like the Public Protector, for whistleblowers, a whistleblower house, somewhere where people could go to blow the whistle, do you think that that would have made a difference to your father?
2: Yeah, I think then it it, it was going to be a a big difference, Bendy, because uh, I think uh, those organisations have uh, made a huge difference in making sure that uh, you know, what is more, more than vital that uh, assist and support, mm. you know. Uh, I think that's why it's like, you know, uh, you should blow us feel alone, feels, you know, threatened, and uh, without any assistance and support, uh, I think it's, it's, it's really not uh,
0: one of the suggestions is support for third parties, so it would be the families of whistleblowers. Um, how would that make, have made a difference to your family?
2: Uh, uh, I think, uh, I, you know, I, I, I took a decision after this, has happened, to say my ultimate goal is to see this uh, justice being done it's, and sent to my father's kids, And he took the whole of me emotionally, financially. I'm the only son at home with two sibling sisters. I had to now be the head of the family and be the breadwinner. Uh, and if uh, in any way uh, things were in place, whereby, you know, there are what compensation of some sort. Uh, towards the surviving family members. In my father's case, uh, he died. Uh, he left children, uh, you know, behind, and they, they were still expecting so much from him, you know. And uh, at least any form of, you know, reward or compensation for us to be able to further our studies, for us to be able to take kids to school, and you know, all of that. Uh, but then, you know, for an example, I had to take unpaid leaves that I was working before just to go and attend the trial and see uh, justice being done. But unfortunately, that was never to be. And I can safely say uh, this case uh, or my father's story has uh, actually exhausted Everything that I had, and I've, I've to me, yes, I'm not a whistleblower, but it has really affected me. not only me, my family members, so, 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 so much. Uh, and, you know, I, I had anger issues, and uh, you know, I, I've lost so much as a result, and sometimes. Uh, I would say these organizations, uh, they are very important for us to come and express ourselves because this is not easy, mainly uh, and it's not easy, uh, but life goes on and all that I can say is you choose to be better. You know, and it's not easy to hear where injustice happened. And uh, I live in Brasden, like, I see these people us in funerals, sitting weddings, And they are enjoying their freedom. And my father is no more. And as a result, we are suffering uh, uh, as, as children, you know. And I have to be the one who makes sure that the lights are on. I, I'm, I'm the one who needed to draft those letters to the banks and say, guys, please just wait a bit. Where are we going to go? You guys are taking this, this house from us, you know. So all of that, uh for an example, just it just, just to wrap up this. Uh uh I, I, I think uh I still need uh Some form of litigation uh, to this case because as things stand now, we don't have any recourse as Mm -hmm. a family because people are acquitted. And they are free now. And as things stand now, nobody is accountable to my father's death. How do I move on from that? And what am I going to tell my children tomorrow when they ask me about the Easter? And and, what happened to their You know, so to me, I might be here, but inside emotionally, I can never heal from this because I was failed by my own justice. And people are living nice life, enjoying their paychecks. Omerans, as we speak, is the member of the parliament. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was reinstated, and he he was appointed in parliament. So you can see that victims suffer more than people treat us so when we stand as a country lending so uh, clearly this is this is really unfair and there's a travesty of justice
0: the 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 other accompanying tragedy is the fact that if people are considering blowing the whistle and they look at your experience so they look at your experience they look at your experience why would they want to blow the whistle And the Chief Justice uh, said recently at an event uh, for News 24 that he's concerned that if we don't protect whistleblowers, they won't be around the second time state capture rolls around. Um, And if you look at a story like Babita Diokaran, if you look at a story like Moss Parkways, whistleblowers will not want to come forward. So how do we encourage whistleblowers to come forward? How do we remind people that it's absolutely necessary if we're going to fight corruption?
3: Um, that's, a, that's a great question thank you and it actually speaks to the core of my advocacy now to say Kloas, the countries has seen for themselves that they are the core and the forefront of corruption but when you look at how current whistleblowers have been treated it's not motivating to anybody so the way forward for me, Mandy, in terms of getting more people to whistleblower, uh, I was laughing with Sister yesterday, and I was saying it lays now naked the recommendations and the pressure that they put towards uh, the president and his government. What we need to motivate whistleblowers is a platform that uh, is safe. That is uh, that has the confidence of people to whistle law knowing they will not be retaliated upon. I think as part of the national anti-corruption strategy, there is the idea of creating a central whistle in agency. For me, it's the structure of that agency is critical and very urgent that that agency is created. But the, its formation, in terms of what does it need to do? We need an agency to study uh, that provides the platform, uh, an integrated platform, because I always say it's currently fragmented, the way we sleep. But a platform that allows uh, central blowing and it is managed at that central time level. And the platform as well allows it does it should not be the one uh, investigating the waste complaints. We leave that to the Science, the law enforcement. But then the platform further, then the the incentivization post the investigations. Now that's when the civil society organizations come in in terms of saying how does make the incentivization structure work. But you're now seeing a partnership between central government within the central Agency, and partnering with, with the civil society and other partners in terms of how do we incentivize the yeah. society will get protected. as well as the other one to, to say the courage like ourselves, I'm going to say through research, research has proven that the current whistleblowers will always be your because for advocacy. And for giving us this platform, where so we we'll get to tell the story, we we'll get to maybe there's some positivity within the same experiences.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh-huh. Can turn that into positivity, and as long as the support is provided, basically has been supported by the media. Telling good stories um, Beyond our discussion,
0: yeah. So, so this. Uh, is
1: a... Mandy, um, for me, I would, I, would, I would say, you know what? Every generation goes through a crisis. The other generation was our liberation. So men and women decided to stand against a, an apartheid regime. And others were tortured, murdered, went into exile. And today, we enjoy democracy. Now, a generation later, there was a different crisis. Now, this crisis is corruption. It's in the boardrooms now. So, and I would say that we are the new revolutionaries. And it's a selfless choice. It's about your moral compass. So you will be marginalized. You will be suspect. You will fight. But at the end of the day, it's about your integrity, your ethics. You look the other way. It's there going to dictate how we move our country forward. Imagine if our father said, no, we are afraid of this regime. Let's just look the other way. Well, imagine if I and the rest of the whistleblower, Cynthia Stilpet, if she had just looked the other way, SAA trader. we 300 and something, maybe it would have been charged to some third party and SAA will be bankrupt and the government will be bankrupt because it get guaranteed. But imagine a, a society where everybody is scared, looks the other way. And that, that's not a, a world that I want to be part of. And you, sometimes you have to take some pain to get a good result. And I have no regrets. I will do this again, irrespective of, of What you said, we've lost. I've lost a lot. Lost friends, you can see my hands are shaking because of my my medication. Um, but the country is worth my suffering, and I will never
0: regret it. Amazing. want to open uh, for questions. Um, So just think about what you want to ask. I'll come to you in a second. Just on that, uh, there is definitely an element of frustration from some whistleblowers that they are tired of telling their stories. I know it's something that Ethel speaks about a lot. Um, I know that you have declined interviews, that there is this fatigue of telling your story over and over again, and that we have discussions like this and panels like this and roundtables and events, but for what? Is there benefit to this process of sitting here telling your story? I absolutely believe there is because you're raising awareness, you are, you are an example, you, um, are, there is a platform for advocacy. What is your, your view on this as a whistleblower?
1: Um, yes, there is an element of pity. Um, I mean, I have been on this journey since 2016. It's now 2022. Now, who is supposed to be here? We're supposed to have the Minister of Justice telling us right now what he's done. We're supposed to have the public protector say there's a new unit. We're supposed to have the NPA saying we have a weather protection program. We're supposed to have somebody from Turkey saying there's a fund. But nothing has shifted since 2016, except a implementation plan that we have to wait from April 2013. But um, I, I have become an advocate of, of, of this plight. It is exhausting. Um, I will never be the same again, that's for sure. And if, if, I can, if, if my work can just encourage one person, then that's enough for me. I do get frustrated and fatigued, then I rest and then I carry on. But um, that, that, that would be my I mean, I, I get invited to many conferences about ethical leadership and people come to me and say, you know what, thank you for your story. Um, I have this at the office, how would you advise me? And um, so, I, I, I do acknowledge Ethel, I mean, he's in London, um, in exile through his life. Um, I'm back here. I, I'm Unprotected, Um, the government, you know, doesn't protect us. Um, Given the fact that they say that they protect you
0: only if you are,
1: if the case is active,
0: my case is active. Well, it's only if you're a witness in a criminal matter that they protect you, and then you have to go into the witness protection program. Mm -hmm. Give up your life, your identity. Exactly, like you
1: said, the the perpetrators enjoy life, and there's no way that I can live. I leave my family, my, my support system, yeah. I, will, I will walk around free because I fought for this country. They have no rights to enjoy um, the, the
0: freedom of, of, of this country. Yeah, I'd like to take questions. Um, I'm going to ask for one of these microphones, I think, so that people who are watching online, do you mind doing that? Okay. Um, if you can just introduce yourself and uh, who the question is for. Um, Anybody? And please try and keep it uh, as short as you possibly can.
4: Hi, I'm Craig Nicholson. Uh, I'm supposed to be a principal of the school in the UK. It was a school that was started in 2015. Um, I was appointed in October of 2015. Yeah, I arrived there, I could see that everything was actually wrong from the SGP side, but as well as the um, department. I basically then did a disclosure according to the proper channels, uh, not knowing the actually was holding the right channels. Um, and this has been going on for seven years, and I'm still uh, employed. I'm still being paid because uh, they actually can't dismiss me can transfer me, they can't remote me, they can't do nothing. Of course, I was also diagnosed with a neurodiversity on the day that I was appointed. Okay. Well, not appointed, yeah. Well, did I actually arrive at the position? Which means I actually went to the interview, um, not being diagnosed, but got the post as undiagnosed with a neurodiversity, and then I walked in, saw um, everything was wrong, and then... To my DDS school. No, I told
3: them oh, this is my uh, problem I've got, but this is my app. And that's what I use
4: that to actually, actually uh, blame everything was wrong with the inner system on me. Of course, it works so well. Um, but I want to come to a question the question that you said about the Public Disclosure Act. And it is actually a brilliant document. The problem is. Labour Relations Act, um, it can't be there. Once a employer initiates, um, or you initiate a dispute, rejection lies with the uh, the Labour Relations Act, which means that no one has got jurisdiction, and at this point in time, no one has got jurisdiction to uh, the now. I've got the letters to state that, I'm talking about the Public Service Commission, the Public Protector, got the same letter that you've got, I've got two. The API, the s got the same letter from them. The Premier's Office, got the same letter from, from them. Uh, basically, every civil institution that you can imagine, yeah. Uh, they can quickly act and can't, because at the moment there's a dispute, the it comes a moment that in has to go forward to the Labour Court, eventually. Yeah. Now, I've been canvassing on the meeting, especially with a lot of people, that the all need to change in terms of
3: uh, where we address this problem. because how can you go through a system
4: that is targeting conciliation and arbitration for actually what is unlawful? Mm -hmm. So we must, we could be our case because we actually have a contract. Um, as you may know, that uh, commissioners at CCMAs at the uh, Barbary Council are actually told that there was not people It means there was actually not do anything. They must let uh, the two parties figure this
0: out,
4: I'm going
0: to push you for a question. Sorry, we just pressed for time. So, so
4: you said we've got a problem. The jurisdiction is wrong. They should move it away from um, the.
0: No, 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 I do you you have a, a comment on that? Thank you for sharing your story.
3: Thank you. Uh, I think, in short, what it highlights for me is, uh, again, the need for an accountable central agency where maybe issues of PDA will be dealt with without any grey areas. Uh, team, uh,
0: responsibility to and, uh, what would that look like? Would it be a Chapter 9 organization? Would it be um, within government? Uh, how would it function?
3: For me, it should be a constitutionally protected agency, uh, with such as a Chapter 9 institution, with two features the one of creating awareness, educating to all. All yeah, the advocacy to the in the government, private sectors, civil society agents, as well as to regulate the incentivization, should the uh, recommendations of the Zondo, uh, the Zondo
5: Commission
3: uh, be taken up. The incentivization should also lie with that agency. Okay.
0: I second that any other Cynthia
5: thank you everyone actually I don't have any questions I just would like to come in so thank you all to the brave souls there in front of me, and thank you to Mandy who's always supporting and raising the awareness of the plight of the supplies I fully understand where we all come from with the um, the fact that we are always called to speak on radio and um, or on TV above the whistleblowers and the flights, nothing is being done. But what I'd like to say here that we do need this type of forums. I'd like to thank Lot, Friedrich Noman, Corruption Watch, and Pari and all the other um, uh, civil societies who have been involved. The reason for that is we need to have the whistleblower voices speak out so if we do more of this we get the voices told we also learn from them because every time i hear whistleblower speak i'm learning even though i've been a whistleblower and i'm understanding a different aspect of what needs to be done so i think we have a role that our fast starts here that we cannot rely on government that we ourselves need to start inputting into the legislation we need to do that Working with Sandeka, being with the lawyer, and various others, taking the task of wanting to change that legislation. So let's do that, and then we can table it ourselves, as Sandeka suggested um, months ago. Really, we can do it through Parliament ourselves. Um, Mandy mentioned earlier that um, Minister Lamola said that by April, we've not been consulted. We've asked, we've written. We said consult with us so we can add input to that legislation. He has not. So, we can already see what's going to happen. It will go back and forth, and the whistleblowers and future whistleblowers, nothing will happen. So, I feel we need to play that role where we can start enforcing it, changing it, so that it is better for the future whistleblowers for this country. The other thing is definitely the compensation. I really, really, my heart goes out to you, your family, your mom, um, and um, the impact that we can never ever even understand the psychological impact the questions you ask yourself at night is why did this happen to us when all my dad was doing this and one thing so yeah i feel we need to start working on maybe setting up that whistleblower fund we need to find ways work together Like we've been doing in this forum, so we've been throwing ideas, throwing ideas. Let's take one idea at a time, unpack it, until we fix it. So for me, we start with the legislation. In fact, we can do two in next year. We work with the fund, and we work with the legislation. Those are the two primary questions coming out of your recommendation right now. We can focus on that as all interested parties. We can start effecting change. Thank you. I also I want to agree with Sylvia, it's very frustrating in this work. Because we are almost like prisoners of the toxic politics. Do you know how many times we've been written to the Minister of Justice? When you said, Mandy, that he says that in the first quarter of this year he's going to come out with legislation. draft drafted for him written to him seven times. I've accosted him at meetings. I've traveled to places in the Eastern Cape just to seek him face-to-face to say, give us an audience. And in the townships, we've got this word called the don't need to make requests. We don't understand why he's giving us shusha. So he's teaching us something, and that is self-reliance and solidarity. We must take the bill we've drafted to the house. We must do
3: everything
5: that we can, including the unions which still have a voice in the tripartite alliance, including lobbying each of the caucuses in the house, including I'm um, holding a press conference on the bill to lobby the press on issues, including running the, hu- the, running the bill through the house in the same way that the um, paternity leave was the bill was granted um, through the ACTP, written to the ACTP there on board. So we must take our bill thundering through the House as civil society. The other frustration is this, the PTA offers damages
0: as it stands. But it's only two years worth of salary compensation, right?
5: Yes, but it, 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 it offers the principle of compensation and it gives a lot of discretion to the judges in the awards. P. 17 offers damages. So why is Babika's child on alone? Why is Mos Pacha's son telling the sad stories he's telling now? Why are we not going to court? We need a decisive court case on these issues. We need to put together human rights lawyers to take this thing to court. We need precedent. We need to develop the law, and we must do it ourselves. The frustration is... Where is the money, comrades? Where are the lawyers? And many of us are lawyers. In corporate South Africa, shouldn't the money come from them? OK, so how many times have we been to BUSA hmm? to Netlag, to speak to them? How many times have we been to those who lead the stock exchange? And so on. We were promised a meeting by a cast. When I think of these things, it's actually and raging to the point of making us feel quite impotent, even though I do think that we will prevail through solidarity if we just hold each other across. But I, I don't want to take much time, but I wanted to speak about Mozilla, <coughs> that um, the beauty of Mozilla and her book and her story is that some of us were told that, you know, if you, if you start crumbling in public, you're letting down the team. You must always be on point and strategic together and stuff like that. But Mosilo you know, allowed and I to cry reading her book in the middle of the night and break it up and do all those humorous things Mo was doing. So I'm, I'm grateful because we will see always be
0: Thank you, Taveka. So uh, I'm worried about time, and I want to give you guys an opportunity to wrap up. I know that everybody... Can you keep it, like, short? Two minutes. Oh, yeah, okay, we'll last two, and then I'm going to ask you all to wrap up as well. Okay.
6: Thank you very much. I'm Vinod J. Chand, an academic, uh, former dean at FITS School whistleblower survival myself. And I must say that even as a trained lawyer and the head of a prestigious institution, I too was caught in the headlights of litigation. And the PDA has already been uh, described as a kind of nightmare act for us to go through. But we know that the the ultimate difficulty of every whistleblower is being caught on a treadmill of constant and consistent litigation. I think about the examples at Transnet, where taxpayers' money is utilized endlessly in a kind of way to punish the person who's trying to protect the taxpayers' money. So I have a very simple suggestion to make and a plea to the president who has the powers to enact this. I do like the idea of that central agency. Uh, that's going to be a one-stop shop for all whistleblower matters. But I think we can have an interim position. An interim position might well be an appointment by the president of a whistleblower protector. Uh, a retired judge who might be able to make the assessment of whether my story is a story of a whistleblower or someone who's just a pure chancer. That person... Who makes the application to the whistleblower protector for one better description right now should be able to be either named to be a bona fide whistleblower or not. And if not, then you know litigation will be back in your in your doorstep. Once a person's been granted the status of a bona fide whistleblower, then all litigation. All disciplinary hearings, all other levels of madness that come from law and our society, must stop immediately to allow for breathing space, to allow for each of the sides to tell their story, and that this particular investigator comes a part of the first stop for all the slows to go to that first. Can be absorbed into that one stop shop that we're talking about without much difficulty. It becomes just another office in that state apparatus that protects whistleblowers. I think this is doable. Rather than waiting yes. for all act for the changes in the law, for um, a, a political party to reinvent itself, uh, and while we are waiting for all of these things to happen. They happen extremely slowly. So looking at that new institution, 24 months is pretty quick. 24 months, very many of the very courageous people that were sitting in your panel may not
0: be around. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'm gonna end off over there. Please, if you can keep it to two minutes.
6: So uh young, young lady on the system needs support when she actually exposed what was going on in the school. Um, the children are keeping little cotton uh little cotton loot. I think of uh, Zuma's son. And currently they believe in uh our time out time to eat. Uh, My question is to Masila. I'd like to ask, we know that education is important to deal with this from a grassroots level, including our our kids. What sort of model do you think should be implemented? Uh, Should it be one based on uh, a course in morality or should we start telling children what the consequences are of corruption? Because right now it's my dad has uh, got, got away with this and he's going to give us some of that.
0: A great question. Thank you very much. I'm going to ask you to answer that question and then wrap up. And then I'm going to ask each of you to, to wrap up as well. Okay. Thank you.
1: Thank you for the question. Um, if you read my book, Uncaptured, um, I'm, I'm at the Red Sea looking over um, sunset contemplating am I going to be a coward and um, do nothing and or am I going to go to the public protector and then they assassinate me or am I going to be charged with precker and then my mother is in jail my mother is my moral campus she has always taught me right and wrong there was no gray area. Um, so I, there's, a, there's a section when I say, what is more fight for my mom? To lay a reef on my coffin when they assassinate me, knowing that I did the right thing, or for her to visit me in prison and bring me tampons and contraband? So it was a reef or tampons. And I said, it's tampons. It's a reef. So it starts with morality at home. She is my moral compass, even in the acknowledgement, And also consequence management. Now we're seeing that you have a whole family, Matela Koko, his wife and two stepchildren. Instead of having family dinner, they talk about how we defrauding ESCO. So um, every single person. Has some kind of moral compass, but I, it looks like everybody has a price. But it's one of it's the outliers like me and, and other people that said, "You know what? I have no price, and I'm willing to lay my life on the line." Luckily, there is no reef, and I my chosen statement is: We need to civil society. We we there's no political will right now. I think what's what's been happening are words. Uh, Civil society, Uh, we don't want hashtags. Uh, We want people to actually advocate. We need to knock on doors. And 2023 has to be the year of the whistleblower. Finally, things have to happen. Um, Protection, physical protection, uh, change the legislation, rewards. And um, my final word is I have my book out these Christmas presents. Um, I use the royalties, as I said, for um, protect, I mean, to support other whistleblowers. And it's a book of faith and the resilience of the human spirit. Um, it's, um, and, and I have to say, my publisher's Penguin have been absolutely amazing. Um, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, thank you, Mandy. Uh, but- my closing remarks is that uh, I would like to thank uh, the civil society at large for giving us support and strength, and, but most importantly, I would like to thank you, uh, Mindy, the media. Uh, when my father's case was sent or was, was, was put in the dustbin, uh, you guys came through and take it out of the dustbin. Uh, You made sure that uh, the case remained alive at all costs, uh, even when others didn't want it to be. So I would really love to uh, uh, thank the media and uh, my highest appreciation to all the civil society. and. Uh, after my dad was was killed, I I I I wanted something as a gratitude to him to say uh, what is it that I can that I can thank him for? And when my son was born in 2013, I named him after my dad. and for that that's the biggest gratitude that I can. That I did for my father, and I really like to appreciate you, Mandy, for the books that you have written in, in whistleblowing. Uh, to say history doesn't have blank pages. Uh, when my children one day are older, even if I won't be there, but the books will remain. The history are on and the story will be in the archives. So. For me, it's an honor for what all the organizations is doing in remembering my father, and to make sure that uh, his his, his, uh, 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 spirit lives on. And I really appreciate it. Thank you.
3: Um, I think in closing, uh... But also, maybe first, uh, convey could my gratitude to Seno of the as this network, which has provided the hope for me, honestly. And, um, maybe, going forward, I just highlighted uh, a sequential uh, process that you might need uh, to say this is our action step coming out from this platform. I think what Sistende has also touched on, we need strategic litigation, uh, which will force organisations to rethink on their retaliatory behaviours. We are here purely because organisations chose to retaliate against receive and because there's no enforcement of the PPA. But the judiciary, I'd like to think right now, has been one institution that has been for democracy and pro-democracy, protecting the constitutional democracy of our country. And we need to take advantage through strategic litigation. Have cases that go through the courts, and they set precedents, especially when it comes to punish perpetrators uh, of victimization. And uh, as well, I'll further appeal to the civil society to collaborate more with uh, the media to push our desired architectural uh, changes to the current system. I think the more voices we amplify to the current structures such as naked, but being collaborative through civil society, media, private sector, we'll get changes. And we'll then get private sector as well to, to get that fund we are looking for, for our central um, We need as well to push for the implementation of the national anti-corruption study. It's a uniform strategy. Whether well is written, but we really need all of it.
0: Thank you all for being so open and vulnerable and sharing your stories and the contributions and sacrifices that you've made Again, thank you to Pluff, thank you to Gibbs, thank you to the Frederick Nelman Foundation uh, Thank you to all of you for joining us today uh, and for participating in this conversation Thank you (laughs)
1: i <laughs>